everyone, and welcome to episode number 325 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Jonathan Stark. Hello. And Eric Dietrich. Hi, everybody. And Jeremy Green. Hey, y'all. And I'm Reuven Lerner. And this week, we are going to be talking to you about getting over pricing nervousness. Um, so, Jonathan, I think this was your idea. Why don't you, uh, why don't you lead and bring us into this? Sure, yeah. The inspiration came from a student I'm working with who's putting together uh, productized services at a, a quick pace. So he's got experience. He's really got a clear positioning. Um, you can imagine, you know, uh, not to give away his thing, so I'm just going to uh, anonymize it a little bit. But <clears throat> he basically does, you can imagine that he does marketing for like CrossFit gyms or whatever they're called. CrossFit boxes or whatever. And, you know, he's got these, he's got enough experience that he knows that certain markets do certain things that certain people need certain things. You know, there's the difference between a startup one and one that's opening new locations and, you know, a franchisee versus an owner. It's all these, all these different things. And he totally knows what he's doing. So he's starting to create these um, productized services and we're, you know, we're working on them, putting together what are the benefits and what are the prices. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So... One of the, you know, and they, and they interact because some of the, some of the productized services are the kind of thing that you would use at the beginning of, um, you know, his client would, would hire him at the beginning of their business to do this one thing. And then later they might use one of the other things. So the prices have to make sense in context of each other. So this, this one that we're working on now is kind of like an initial offering. So like uh, when when he's never worked with someone before, someone in this situation would come to him and start off with a particular engagement. And it need it, it need for a variety of reasons, it needs to be more expensive than the follow-on thing because it's going to appear to the client like it's less work. So it's kind of like startup cost or like a setup cost if you're going to get a book printed or like a bunch of posters printed. Back in the day, before you could print like one of anything, um, there was this sort of like setup fee, and then there'd be these, uh, and then like a per unit fee. And so this this particular price needs to be more than his next thing, which used to be his most expensive thing. And <clears throat> and I said, you know, I don't know. I you know, he wanted to price it lower, and I said, I don't know. I don't. I don't. First of all, I think it's worth more than that to the right person. And second of all, it has to be more than the ongoing thing, or it's not going to make sense. There's no way to tell that story. It's hard to tell that story. And he agreed with me rationally, 
and then he used the word nervous. He's like, but I'm nervous to do that. And I was like, nervous, what an interesting choice of word. Why would you be, you know, why would, why would someone be nervous about putting a particular price on your website? And, you know, I was like, in my mind, I was like, well, is he, is he afraid that he's not going to get any business at that price? Or is he afraid that someone's going to laugh at him at that price? Or like, what, what, why nervous? It just seemed like such a strange word. So that thinking about that and working through that, um, with him kind of was the, the impetus for this, uh, call. And I suppose I should add that I think productized services are a great thing for freelancers to do, but pricing them is a cha- is a bit of a challenge because people aren't you know used to saying like here's my hourly rate, um, I'll work for you until you tell me to stop, and to to create a productized service which we've talked about in the past involves you picking a price for a fixed scope service that you offer and uh, publishing it so that people can say oh this you know this seems like a a, a good fit for me let me talk to the person. I can see how much it is. I understand what's involved. Maybe I want to have a little bit of a conversation. Uh, but I, I have noticed not just this situation. I've had noticed in many situations that people have a tendency to price them on the low side. Like they don't feel very confident about the value that they're going to deliver. And this, this sort of irrational nerves kind of creep into this situation. So that was the, that's the kickoff. Hmm. So did he ever answer that why the word nervous or um did that not come up it did and and the it was it wasn't any of the things that i thought it was a little bit of some of the things i thought but mainly it was that um if the person did say no then he would be locked into that price and wouldn't be able to recover the deal and i was like oh okay and that's interesting and that's that's totally fair but we talked through that and we also talked about ways to alleviate his nerves that I think work for lots of people. So we could go into that. But does that answer your question? Oh, yeah, I was just kind of curious because I have I've had conversations like this with folks myself and it seems and, and you know, um, kind of further in my rearview mirror experience this. And I feel like there are probably some folks out there that are nervous for the reason you touched on, which is not uh, maybe being laughed at, but kind of being put in a position where you're asking for a price that you somehow can't justify. So somebody says, well, that's really expensive. And then you have nothing to say to that other than, Oh, you're right. That's too expensive or, or something. <laughs> yeah, like I'll that. do it for half. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So, oh yeah. 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 And that, that did sort of come, I think, I think the exact quote was, um, you know, what if he shares this price with someone else? No. So like what if prospective client shares this with an advisor and the advisor says, what a ripoff. You know, so it was this perception that that it's a ripoff, basically, I think is uh, I think has a lot to do with it. Not may, maybe not in this case specifically, but in lots of cases where where folks who are kind of heard this message that certainly myself and others kind of beat the drum all the time, like raise your prices, double your prices, charge more. And if there's not a sort of commensurate confidence that comes with it, that confidence that they can deliver positive ROI at these higher price points, then then yeah, there's that, that like, I don't have an answer when someone says that's ridiculous. How would you justify that? And there's no answer. Yeah. That, that potentially could be embarrassing, but even then it's like, well, I mean, really, you should have an answer for that question. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, it's not like a saber tooth tiger. There's nothing to be nervous about. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because I think um, it's the kind of thing you I don't think necessarily even need to justify if you don't want, especially if you're a solo consultant. You could say because I don't want to do it for less. <laughs> right. You don't need a justification. Look, I, so I mean, you, I, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was just gonna say. I mean, so I've I've been doing. I mean, I guess my training is certainly a productized consulting offering, and I've got a whole lot of now courses and books online as well. And um, look, you'll always get people asking you to lower your prices, right? And you'll get the occasional person who says, "How." dare you charge X and Y and Z for your product? That's ridiculous. No one's going to pay that. And they might be right, but they're probably not. And it's a lot of trial and error also. And I was also nervous about, well, what happens if I change my price, right? So let's say I start at, I don't know, $200 for something and I see that no one's buying and I've tried all sorts of marketing. I discover, you know what, or I decide for whatever reason, I'm going to lower the price or I'll raise the price people aren't going to notice it so much. No one's looking at your website every day and saying, ha, he increased his price by 50% or lowered by 50%. Um, so you, you do have that freedom to experiment and try and see what the market will bear. And I, I don't want to say it's always going to be the case that you can charge a lot more, but you can charge more than you think. And especially when it comes to a productized offering, it's, it's a, like a take it or leave it sort of situation where you've got something, they want it, they can have it for this price, they don't want it, okay. Or they don't want it for that price, that's okay too. Right, no one negotiates with Amazon or with a supermarket. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, it's not a, um, it's not a question of fairness or like, it, it, you know, like Eric said, it's, you don't need to justify it. It would, I, I would like it if people had an answer to the question because I know that, that that will actually help them deliver the ROI. If they know the answer, without knowing the answer, it's kind of hard to imagine that that it's credible or that they can that they actually can do it. Because someone who knows that they can do it would have an answer for this if they th thought about it for a few minutes. It's like, well, how can I make the case for this this price? You know, whatever, fifty thousand dollars. How can I make the case for fifty thousand dollars for this product I service? And it's like, well, tell me. And if the answer is, well, geez, you know. If I can increase the number of people who sign up to this gym by, I don't know, by 10 people, it would pay for itself in six months. Well, do you think you can increase the number of people by 10 in, in six months? Like, absolutely, you know, and, and they look at the particular gym like, yeah, their marketing is terrible. I can definitely do that. It's, I, I would, it would be embarrassed, an embarrassment if I couldn't do it. I'm like, all right, we'll offer them a guarantee. If, you know, if, if they, if you increase it by 10 people, you make your money back. And if you don't, I'll give you your money back. Either, either way, everybody wins because, you know, because if, even if you learn that you're wrong, that's still a win. I know people get like panicky about guarantees, but it's a great way. If you're nervous about, if you're nervous about say being laughed at or having to justify a price, it's a great answer to be, to say something like, um, well, look, it's a no risk situation for you because, you know, whatever. In the first 30 days, you can just get your money back. If it doesn't feel like it's working, well, just stop. I don't want to take your money if it's not working. And the, the offering a guarantee is a really quick way. It doesn't have to be 100% money back guarantee after a year of working with someone, but, you know, some kind of guarantee, then it it takes away a lot of that nervousness because it gives you a net underneath this feeling of being on a, a tightrope. They're like, well, if I'm wrong 
and I'm actually, you know, if I'm high on my own supply and I actually am not that good at what I do, which is, I think, where the confidence issue comes from, then uh, then you give them their money back, you know, after a, a small amount of work where it becomes clear to both parties that the working relationship isn't isn't kicking in properly. But I think most of the time for people who do have some experience and have done client work before and, uh, you know, know their craft, at least like they know how to write code or they know how to, you know, use Photoshop and they understand what they're trying to achieve with the engagement, which is going to be the case with the productized service. Then a few weeks in the butterflies are going to be gone. You're gonna be like, Oh, I'm crushing. Like I know exactly what to do here. This is not, I don't know what I was nervous about. So it kind of gets you over the hump. I, I was, uh, I guess when I, put up my first online ebook, I mentioned that there was a money back guarantee. And I think I even said something like within 60 days or so, some, something like that. And that, like there were a very, very, very small number of people who asked for refunds, but it was really like two, three, something like that. Yeah. And then I bought an online course that I didn't use at all. Like I bought it, Six months later, eight months later, it's like, you know what? I bought this. I'm not using it. I don't need it. So I asked them for a refund. And they said, sorry, we only do refunds within the first 30 days. And I went back and forth and back and forth. I was like, look, I didn't use it. You can check your logs. And I was so ticked off with them that I made sure now that on my site it says, money back guarantee, 100%, forever. You're reasonable. I'm reasonable. Just ask. And you know what? It's still a handful of people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so basically I can feel good about it. People feel confident buying. And I've said exactly what Jonathan just said. But people have said, what if it's not for me? So I say, so then I'll refund your money or I can switch you to a, a cheaper one or something. Yeah. I do kind of wonder if um, part of the nerves, especially if you're new to offering something at a flat rate or to value pricing or a productized service. If there's this maybe idea that creeps in where you've been in the wage world and in that world, your salary is kind of, you know, so salary slash hourly rate is heavily tied in with the idea of your merit. And so if you go into the freelance world and you list your hourly rate, that kind of sticks with you. So I wonder if there's this vestigial sense of, can I demonstrate that I am worth, you know, charging this price and you're worried maybe that um people are going to judge you somehow and i think maybe the the way to address that if that is the reason of the nerves is to flip around to like the productized service model being more like picking something off the shelf of a retail store or something it's you know people aren't really looking at you and your worth and all that it's just is this thing worth x amount of money to me yes or no nobody's probably going to argue with you about your fundamental merit they're just going to move on if uh if it doesn't look like a a good price so maybe i don't know flipping that mental model of what it is that you're offering it's not you as much as it is a thing yeah and i've definitely talked to people who've gotten nervous about pricing things uh because they basically will try to back out an hourly rate out of whatever the the fixed fee is, you know, they say, okay, I'm going to charge a thousand dollars for this thing. And it's really only going to take me like five hours. And so that means I'm making $200 an hour and that seems really high. And the client's going to balk at that. And it, they have a hard time kind of realizing that the whole point is to divorce the hours from the fee and that, 
you know, if you don't tell the client how long it's going to take and you just focus on delivering results, then they don't know how long it's going to take and they're not going to be able to back out that hourly rate to, you know, judge you upon. Yeah. There's a, there's so many things going on here. So there's, there's the, the issue of under, you know, so like a lot of, a lot of folks I know who are freelancers, they know, or they, they have a, very high estimation of their skills. They feel like they're really good at whatever it is that they do all day. And, and I'm sure they're right. They do it all day. So naturally you're going to get good at it after a while. But there's a complete disconnect between that and the value that clients get out of the application of those skills. So they know what they, they know what activities they undertake all day and they have a, a sense of mastery and confidence about that. But they have almost no, if any, idea about why it's valued by the client. There's a massive disconnect there. So the idea of divorce, you know, it's like you guys both said, like the idea of divorcing those two things and taking the time out of it and thinking about the results is just alien. It's like an alien concept because people are just so used to getting, uh, they're so used to getting paid a salary or an hourly rate where it doesn't need to be revealed to them what the sort of master plan is. You know, the person who's paying has some master plan. They're not giving you money for fun. They know what it's worth to them, but they just never share it, which is why I talk about having a why conversation in a sales interview because you need to find that out. Otherwise, you have nothing to price. So, you know, that that is a gigantic mind shift for sure. Uh, but putting together a productized service where you're not technically value pricing the thing, you're not having a sales conversation with each, each um, potential client, and then and you're not presenting a custom proposal for each potential client, you kind of come up with a generic proposal for this thing, this relatively fixed scope service you're going to provide and you put a price on it. And a, a lot of times there's a different kind of nerves. Um, a lot of times, uh, folks who are used to trading time for money, they get nervous about putting a fixed price on something because they, whenever they've done that or even thinking about doing that, they intuitively know that the price is going to be too low and they're going to feel like they lost money or they got killed on it or they would have made more by the hour if they just billed hourly for it. So my advice to them is like, okay, that's because you're setting your price too low. That's a different kind of nerves than I meant to talk about. It's, that's just like <laughs> fear of putting yourself out of business. But if I say to that person, okay, now add a zero to the end of that number. And huh. right now all of a sudden you're not nervous about making uh getting by or making profit or feeling like you're making a good effective hourly rate now you're nervous about being perceived as some sort of charlatan or never selling the thing and going out of business that way because you're not doing any work you can't get any clients or you know ridicule from you know people that that are just like where does this guy get off charging you know all of this money you know fifty thousand dollars for a wordpress website that he could make in a that i could make in a weekend you know, and it, if you, if you, it's a, it is a pretty big mental shift, but I, this sort of episode, I think kind of is gets over like, okay, let's assume that all of that's happened and you're creating a productized service and you're considering this high price. And then it's just like, oh no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not worth it. You know, it's like Alan Weiss always says the first sale is to yourself and it's super true. It's also hard for us as individuals and even as freelancers to conceptualize the amount of money that medium to large size companies are willing to spend on some of these things. Because to them, these mm -hmm. things are worth millions often, right? Like, so, I mean, I just, before the show, I was, I was teaching uh, Python all day at a company 
and they use um, Python basically. I was teaching the people who test their hardware. So you got to be sure that the you know, you know the hardware that goes out there that is their bread and butter. That's where they make all their money. And if it goes out poorly tested, it's worth millions to them, not only product, but in bad PR and on, on, and on. So basically, yeah, they're, of course they're willing to pay me to come in and teach, um, even if I'm like more expensive than maybe my competitors in the market, because they know that their products will be higher, you know, higher end and they'll be able to charge more for them and have fewer bugs and so forth. And like to me, it's just going in and teaching, right? But to them, it's worth a ton of money. And you have to you have to have that mind shift also, like what is it worth to them, and what is it worth not having it to them also? Yeah, like imagine so, dear listener, imagine that you teach Python training courses, and you're going to teach the same same Python class to, uh, you know, um, some startup, not even a startup, some uh, some robotics class at a high school. You're going to come in after after work and teach. A robotics class to um, to a high school class and like what could you charge for that not that much versus if you're going to teach that exact same class to some team at like uh, in, in Amazon supply chain or warehouse like they're making making robots and programming uh, robots to handle their supply chain it's just like a total like you could teach the exact same class the exact same amount of time and the amount that you could charge to Amazon is just a different number than what you could charge to some after school in some after school program. It's just not you, even though you're doing the exact same thing, the value that you're delivering is completely different. And there's a different risk profile too. You're making a different promise. So there's some differences for you on the, the risk on the Amazon side. You, there's more risk because there's, you know, more account presumably more accountability, so on and so forth. But the it doesn't matter how long it takes you to do it. If you could if you could plug if if Ruben, if you could plug your laptop into each one of the students the back of their neck and be like, uh, I know Python now. Like, <laughs> would they would they care that you it only took you ten minutes to go around the room and do that? No. No, I mean they, they would be delighted because then people are at work more, right? They're not taking their time for this course. In fact, in fact, like the client that I was at today, so now we've changed the course around so that I only go there for three days and they get one day of videos. Um, because they said like this way they can do more work and do it in the like they they have all sorts of crazy ideas about this, some of which I, I disagree with, but the idea is they want their people to be at work more and spend less time in the courses. So say, and they're paying me basically the same thing. I mean, they said, look, you're not going to be here, so we're, we're going to pay you a little bit less. But it was really a trivial amount less. Um, and that full day I'm basically paid for, and I don't have to be there. So, right, they don't care. At the bottom line, they don't care. Yeah, I've had to give training classes over the weekend because the company was, they just couldn't take 20 people out of their normal production workflow for two days in the middle of the week. You know, so right. if you could if you could deliver that information faster or more effectively in a shorter amount of time, it's worth more, if not, you know, the, at least the same, if not more. I can also echo. Um, so this idea of differentiated pricing, you know, to the high school robotics class versus to say Amazon, I've encountered this sort of thing a lot in my own uh, experience pricing things out. And what you will find, you know, if, if you're out there listening and you're nervous about pricing, maybe you do in the beginning get a client or, or a prospect or two that reacts to you saying that's outrageous. I promise you, 
the exact same offering at some point will attract somebody who just snaps their fingers and says, done, give me yeah. the top tier option. Let's not talk about it. And then it will blow you away the first few times it happens. You know, you'll, you know, do a dance in your office or something, but it will happen. That same thing that some people will argue about. There will be companies, clients out there that don't blink at your price. hundred percent. It's all about finding the, I mean, I get, I get it. It's like, Oh, you're crazy. That works for you. You know, maybe that works for you because you're in the U S or you're well known or, uh, you've got a big mailing list or, you know, and I'm like, look, I didn't start out that way. I was born just like you, you know, like all of that was built from scratch. Didn't like hit the lottery and end up with a mailing list. It was like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's a question of, um, to, again, this is assuming you know what you're doing, like assuming you're good. It's not your first year of freelancing. You're not just learning how to use Photoshop or like Xcode or something. Assuming you do know what you're doing and you've had some clients and they've hired you again. So you know that they're happy with your work. There's something going on there. You are delivering value. They are getting positive ROI. So a great thing to allay your nerves would be to, to ask them for a testimonial. And we, talked about how to do that in the past and we could probably link to it in the show notes if we've got articles about it but ask for a testimonial say oh i'm redoing my website i'd love to get your feedback on you know uh, that first project we did together I, I, you know i recall that you mentioned it went great for you guys but i'd love to hear it in your own words and that sort of thing then even if they don't give you permission to publish it on your website you're going to learn from that back and forth and from what they write about their perspective on what they bought. They didn't buy a bunch of lines of code from you. They didn't buy you standing in front of a podium for three hours. They bought some outcome that was very positive for them. And you can you can estimate the value of that once they articulate it. You could come out and ask them. They might blurt it out. Uh, but you can start to see like uh, that the bigger and bigger a company is and the higher level that you the higher altitude that that you're involved at. So like, um, you know, if you're, if you're involved with a company that has 800 employees and you're working directly with like the CMO, let's say that, you know, early in a project, that's going to have a lot of downstream effects and it's probably worth way more to them than you think. If you're used to thinking about like, Oh, I bill a hundred dollars an hour. That's what, just what I do. And that's the only fair way to do it because I'm worth a hundred dollars an hour. That's not true. You're not worth a hundred dollars an hour to everyone, you know, they, this client has demonstrated that you're worth that over time, that you know, you're delivering more results and they believe it. But being able to get it in their words, you start to think more like a business person and less like um, a craftsperson, let's say, or someone who just cranks out code or videos or whatever it is that you make. And you start to see like, oh, this, this particular client, it, you know, Amazon is using this to um, decrease robot downtime in their DCs all over the world. You know, that's that's an outcome that that you helped deliver versus, uh, you know, the high school robotics class where you do basically the same thing, same amount of time. And the outcome is that these kids maybe will go on to a career in robotics someday. It's like very hazy and, and tough to tie your intervention with some future outcome with Amazon, though. Like it's the, the thing I'm trying to get at is that old cliche of like um price the client not the job it's like what what that means is price the outcome like price the benefit of what the pro price the size of the problem that you're solving 
not the amount of labor it's going to take you to solve the problem. And that feels really weird to people because they're like, yeah, but it's still going to just take me like a hundred hours. Like it take me a hundred hours. So I should just charge a hundred hours times a hundred dollars. It's like, well, you can do that. But if you give a fixed price, you can get bigger and bigger and bigger fixed prices as you get bigger and bigger and bigger clients. And as you deliver more and more results and you put those results in your marketing and you say, look, results, not I'm a nice guy or I'm a nice gal, but here are some results that this client credits me with that is going to attract more and bigger clients over time. And you can just keep raising your prices because the value you're delivering keeps getting higher. All right. And soapbox. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 ve it's very true. I mean, I remember when I first started off, it was in 1995 and I need to give prices to people. And I was like, wait, like man, I can choose anything, right? I can choose a dollar. I can charge a million dollars. And I need to choose something. And I was extremely nervous about it because why should people take me seriously? Right. What do I know? And over time I've, I've, I've come to realize, yeah, actually I can help them with these things. And I'm confident about it. But those first few times were, were nerve wracking. No doubt about it. Um, but you're probably not, like, this is not the first time that you're trying to solve problems of a certain type. And so by definition, you know more than people who have never done it before. And that's who your clients are probably, right? They're people who don't know how to do what you're doing, especially if it comes to software, right? To them, it's magic. The, 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 the analogy I always use is with a car, right? I don't know exactly how a car works. In fact, I don't know at all how a car works. So when I take it to the garage, and they say, oh, well, the something, something, something is broken. We'll need to fix it. I'll pay them, right? And I'm not going to start saying, oh, you know, why don't you knock 50% off of that? I'm sure you can do Like my, my, my nephew could do it better or the same way, <laughs> right? No, they've told me what it is. In the same way, these people have a business. They need to run it. They need your help. And they, as, they will pay you to solve their problem. And it's worth it to them. And so you don't need to be nervous about it. And okay, so you won't charge as much on day one of your business as on day a thousand of your business. That's normal. But you can still charge a reasonable amount and you don't need to be ashamed about it at all. Um, I'll just have one more thing, which is a lot of us are in the in, like service business because we like helping people. We like the rush we get from, wow, I was able to make them like make them more productive or help them out. And so a lot of us are just sort of helpful in general. We want to help people out. And so it feels a little weird to start saying, oh, I'll help you with my computer, just like I've been helping people for years, but now I'm going to charge for it. But they expect that, right? That's the normal thing. They have a budget to do it. Um, and if you don't, it's considered kind of weird. And as my boss years ago told me, the way you say thank you in business is by paying someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want free sushi. Like the, the price, can be, <laughs> the price would be too low, right? Like you want to trust, like you don't trust stuff that's too cheap. Yeah. So need, yeah. I think too, like if you're, this is kind of tactical, but if you're looking to put that price up on your website and you're nervous about it in terms of uh, the story you're going to tell that people will say, oh, that's too high or, or, or give you a hard time is that fix it in your mind that you have whatever it is you're doing right now, you know, maybe some hourly work for some clients and you're looking to introduce something new. And so it's pretty easy to say, well, sure, this is priced kind of high, 
but it's because I'm contemplating a new line of business. I've got a pretty good thing going here. It needs to be able to sell for a high rate in order for me to justify pivoting my business this way. If you just fix a narrative like that in the back of your mind, even if you never actually say it to anyone, you're going to approach these things with a lot more confidence because you have a justification. Like it needs to sell for a good rate in order for me to kind of alter how I'm doing business. So I'm throwing it out there at that rate. And I think you'd be surprised how just having an explanation like that, even if you don't use it, uh, changes the way you approach things. At least that was uh, my experience at times. Yeah, that can help. I I do find that because it's true. It's like if it's not gonna if it's not going to. I mean, if you're basically making less money from creating this new thing, that's not a good idea. So it needs to be more. And the the thing that's the thing that's um, risk is the thing that is with a fixed price risk is the the X factor where it's like, you're not just doing the same stuff you've always done. You, even if it was exactly the same thing, you're just pricing it different. Um, you're taking on all this risk. So you, you, in, it's an insurance policy that the client is buying. Like we're, we want this price to be this price, like period. All right. That means that you have to take the risk that they used to take. So of course it should be more, but that's not even, um, it's sort of a, a, just another reason to raise your price. Like it's not the same thing. Like working by the hour is a different risk profile than doing the exact same activities on a fixed price, which I think anybody feels intuitively because that that's why most people don't want to switch to fixed prices because they're afraid of the risk because they don't a- attach enough of a premium to it. Mm. Yeah, that actually reminds me of something interesting too, which is like, if you're doing work at an hourly rate, I guess you would maybe call that cost plus. I mean, maybe it's just kind of cost. It's just cost, yeah. <laughs> but if you start fixed pricing things, now there's a cost model that's opaque to your clients, or, or at least theoretically there is. And then the more you do it, the more there probably will be. You're building up intellectual property. You're taking on risk. And the clients won't necessarily know what your cost structure is nor will they probably care kind of nor should they know that's your business you have a price and then you've got a way to justify things when you're talking to people by saying look you know i've got to earn a certain level of margin on this so on and so forth like you you start to be able to tell that story but you also start to be able to understand more um from a business perspective what it costs you to deliver things and you know where your pricing needs to be um in addition to uh, the more you do it, the more you'll understand the value that your clients are realizing there. Yeah, and over time, what will end up happening is that as you get more and more credible and more people trust you because you have more results and testimonials and word of mouth, that your the prices that you can uh, justify and get and deliver positive ROI on are so far above like your profit margin that it's comical to do something like track your hours or something like that. It's just like you do the division, it's like $2,000 an hour. Like it doesn't even make sense to do, you know? So it's like, you, you, but it isn't, I mean, the whole point of the episode though is a major hurdle to get over to think that like if you're, if your brain starts to say, but I'm not worth that much per hour, you have to realize that that is a nonsensical thought. That is an irrational thought. You're not worth anything per hour. No one wants your hour, or, or I should say, not everyone wants your hour for this the same uh, the same way. You know, it's like a you know I don't know. It's like a, a luxury watch. Like we might say, like 
oh, $111,000 for that new Panerai? That's ridiculous. But they're going to sell out like someone <laughs> someone wants it. And you can sit there and judge them and think that, that they should have spent their money in a different way that was better for the world or whatever. But it is worth it to someone because, you know, either they're buying something different than, you know, they are actually buying something different than you perceive. They're buying something completely different than what you perceive when you see that. You're like, well, you can get a Timex for $9. I'll just do that. Okay, well, you're a different person. So different clients are going to pay different uh, – different clients are going to see the same price and – think it's totally reasonable or it's totally ridiculous so you know it, if you want to increase your prices over time which i presume is a given if you want to increase your price at least your profits over time then it benefits you to find and get in front of the kind of people who are going to benefit more from the outcomes that you can deliver so look for the amazons and work your way up to the amazons and, and work yourself away from the after school programs uh, at least for your paying work. If you want to do, you know, free stuff, that's great. But if, but for your paying work, you want to move toward the bigger fish, you know, and it's like, uh, you just climb up that ladder and keep raising your prices, basically doing technically the same kind of activities, but you're delivering bigger and bigger outcomes. My so, superpower so, so, killing so, the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happens if like you're nervous about giving a price and you go to a client and you give that price and the client's like, no, I won't pay that. I mean, I know we mentioned a little bit before that we can say, well, right, <laughs> you know, that, that's what I want to charge. But, I mean, I mean, I, to a certain degree, I guess it depends on how desperate you are for the work. Although the moment that you fold a little bit, you're going to fold a lot, is my experience. Yeah. You create um, a bad client if you fold. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah, I mean, like I had a client uh, a few months ago where they said, well, we're not going to need such and such courses this month. Unless you're willing to charge us fifty percent, and and I was like, and I thought to myself, okay, this is a client I do a lot of courses for. The moment that I agree to that, my price has now gone down to fifty percent of what it was. Um, permanently. permanently, 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 right? And they this is after forced, I raised my. Yeah, they will be forced. It would be it's incumbent on them now, forever and ever, to ask you for a discount every single time. Because if you give it to them once, they have to do it again. Right. So I said, I said no. Um, you know, I've got other clients who want those days, and then I didn't. But I still feel better. I mean, now again, I I, I have the luxury of being able to do that because I have enough other work going in, coming in. If I didn't, I'd probably find some way to negotiate. Although you can usually find a way to negotiate on scope as well as on money, so that they sort of go hand in hand, so that you're not just saying, "Oh, I'll do the same thing for half the price." In that particular instance, I would do something like I, I would be open. I mean, I'm too lazy to to engage in that. I would just be like, okay, I'm I'm not the right fit, um, and and I can't make a business case for that. I can sell those days, so if you don't want them, that's fine. I get it. Um, the other thing that some people do, especially when they have employees, and I, and I am uh, I am a fan of this move, is to sell future capacity when you know it's probably going to be slow. So you could say something in that particular situation, like, well. I can't make a case for that for these days, but if you want to pre-book uh, January 2020, then I'll, I'll give you that rate. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in my, in my particular case with this client, they would have been happy to do that because they do book. A lot of these big companies are happy to book a year in advance, and I already do. So, but but I can see, I mean, right, the, the idea of knowing your, when your slow periods are, that's a very smart idea. 
because you know it'll be hard to sell around then. Yeah, I think it's mostly important if you have employees because the payroll comes every month no matter what. So if you know you're going to be slow over the holidays and you can pre-sell that, that what you know is going to be wasted capacity, then I, I can make an argument for that, but I don't personally do it. So another thing that comes to mind for me in that situation is typically if I'm creating a fixed price offering and I'm going to be having conversations with prospects, I might either create explicitly or have in mind some kind of subset of that offering. So if the offering's for $50,000 and the client comes back and says, I can't possibly do that, can you do it for half? Um, you kind of trip yourself up a lot less in the negotiation if you say, well, I can't do this for half, but I do have an offering at the 25K price point with a subset of the services. That, in my experience, has tended to go better because a lot of times they'll want to engage you in some capacity or another, but they're coming up against some budget that they have. And in that case, you know, you can maybe work your way towards something that's within their budget. It's not everything they want, but you're not caving on price and you're giving them um, an avenue to work with you, even if your, you know, normal offering is out of their budget. Totally agree. That's That was my advice. That was one of the things that I advised my student to do like carve off this piece this preliminary chunk take the whole the whole six month thing down to a week and charge 50 percent instead of 100 percent. i'll add one little anecdote which is um i mean I, i'm uh, trying to break more and more into the u.s training market which is quite frankly much more lucrative pays much more than the israeli market and so i had a potential client and i told him what i was going to charge and i mean that fell through but not for those reasons in any event he said to me at some point you know you should be charging a lot more. And then, <laughs> right? Well, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm already charging three times what I do in Israel. But again, his perspective of what was expensive and his perspective of what use, what he can use his budget for and mine, as a client of mine once said, it's not his money, right? Like, so he doesn't <laughs> feel the pain in spending it. And so this client was basically saying the same thing. It's not my money. I've got it. I, I can just give it to you, right? Like, like why, why are you not asking me for more of it? So that was a real wake-up call because I'd actually tried to give, and here's another lesson, dear listener, right? I tried to give a slightly lower price, not by a lot, but a slightly lower price than I would have because I was nervous about it. I said, well, I really want to break into this market. And um, that was not a factor in the slightest in deciding to work with me or not. Uh, because, again, these companies, you know, for, for them, even a few thousand dollars is chump change. Yeah, and people listening are probably like, oh, that that's great for you, Ruben. You do training. I don't do training. And, that, you know, you've been doing it for 20 years and I'm just starting. But that's but just to paint the picture, that, that's how you build it up. Like, do the credible work, get the results, put them on their website, be clear in your marketing. And over time, you'll be able to increase your pricing geometrically instead of linearly. So when you get to the point where you're like, man, for the past three years, I feel like I've maxed out my hourly rate. Every time I raise it, everybody freaks out and I just feel like I'm working harder than ever and my expenses are outstripping my income. Like that's when you know you need to, you need to leverage yourself. You need to like get disconnect your time from your money and you need to start setting prices that are way higher than you would have charged and land a few of those, gives you more breathing room, land a few more, gives you more breathing room changes the way you talk to clients you start to get better at that thinking about outcomes instead of inputs instead of the stuff that you're doing for them seeing like what they're getting out of it and it's this virtuous cycle where you can tell a better story connect with bigger clients charge higher prices deliver more value it just goes up and up and up 
You know, another thing that just popped into my head too is if you like, let's say you set a price on your website and it turns out to be too expensive, like the market just won't bear it. If you wind up talking, if you lower that rate later or do something different and you wind up talking to some of those same prospects in even like three months, it's pretty unlikely they're going to have a great idea of what your pricing structure was. So you'll have conversations where they're like, oh, okay, you're doing something a little different. Remind me what you were charging again. Whereas you may have this spotlight effect, like I'm going to set this price. And if I talk to a prospect and it's too expensive for them, they're going to remember that forever and think that I'm gouging and I'll like, not, not really. It's just not that important to people. So you can always revisit your pricing, uh, especially if you kind of rework a little bit what it is that you're offering. So you're not getting locked into anything. And you're not making any like irrevocable decisions. You're just setting a price for some offering and playing with the market. I mean, people pivot on their offerings all of the time. So I wouldn't get nervous about being locked into anything either. Yeah, totally agree. People are not paying as much attention to your website as you think they are. Absolutely. <laughs> any other thoughts, hints before we head into picks, guys? Mm, I don't have anything else off the top. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jonathan, what you got for us this week? Uh, quick pick. Um, if people do ask, if your clients are asking for discounts, if that happens to you a lot, then I'll point you to uh, my book, Learn Your Lines. It's not free, but it's cheap. And uh, it's got a whole list of things. It's got nine different ways that people ask that question. It's got answers for all of them. I know people like that book a lot. Um, another pick I'll... I'll do this week is The Gift of Fear, which is a book by Gavin DeBecker. Uh, apparently, it's really famous and has changed a lot of people's lives. I'd never heard of it. Um, his name cropped up recently in the whole Jeff Bezos scandal. And I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> and um, man, I just listened to the audiobook. It is stellar. It's short, but amazing. And it's just got great, great information about um, how would I describe it? It's like, uh, fear is like pain. It's just a signal. You need to recognize that it's a signal and not confuse it with worry or anxiety or any of those other things. And uh, trust your intuition. It's it's really, really good on many levels, whether it's the explicit level of keeping yourself safe, like a you know female going to a parking garage at night. But I think it also, there's a lot to learn from a business context about uh, purchasing behavior and buying decisions and the the perceived risk and fear associated with those so highly recommend wow sounds great uh eric what you got uh let's see here i um so my wife and i do the digital nomad thing especially in the winter um we've done a couple of moves and one of the things that i'm finding to be great for getting acclimated in a place and maybe getting a um uh, an experience they wouldn't normally is this Airbnb experiences thing. And I think it's newer. So anyway, um, if you go to the Airbnb website, I think most people know you can book houses, but they also have these experiences, which will be like various kinds of tours. And some of these are just like local entrepreneurs in their spare time. You know, we did one in Austin, Texas, that was like a taco tour, which was really cool. So I'm going to throw a pick to this because if you're going to a city and you've got some spare time, it can be a really unconventional but rewarding way to get a local experience. Um, so we've enjoyed that. Uh, the other pick I'll do is kind of one I've been doing off and on lately, which is um, if any of you out there are developers, DevOps, um, 
operations just in the IT world in general and you want a side hustle writing blog posts, you can write for our content agency, hit subscribe. Uh, so I will post a link to the Write For Us page as well. And uh, that's all I've got. Excellent. Jeremy, what you got? Uh, I'm going to recommend a free email course that I have uh, that you can find at increaseyourconsultingfees.com. Uh, and it's about uh, ways to deliver more value to your customers. Uh, and in some ways, just increasing the perceived value of the things that you already do uh, so that you can then in turn charge more. Great. And uh, my pick is something called ASCII Doc. So I am uh, rewriting one of my books uh, for publication with a large publisher. More on that to come soon. And basically, um, they said, well, we don't use uh, markup. We use ASCII doc. And I was like, oh, what is this thing? And it's different, but it's actually very clever and very interesting. And after a little bit of pain in getting it set up, um, I'm super impressed. And I'm, I'm thinking of using it for more writing that I do and marking stuff up. So uh, it's not necessarily the most popular thing uh, on the block even if your block has many programmers. But um, definitely <laughs> worth looking into and considering for anything that you're writing in a serious way. And I guess that is it. Thank you to everyone on our panel. And thank you out there for listening in podcast land. And as always, if you have suggestions for people or topics we should cover, please let us know. We will be delighted to hear from you. And uh, we will see you next week on The Freelancer Show. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.